Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. It is great to be back on the air with all of our listeners once again. Thankful to have the opportunity to open up God's Word and study a little bit further, learn a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, and grow in our faith. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. I know I keep saying that, referring to that verse of Scripture, but it is so pivotal to our spiritual destiny, our spiritual strength. We encourage you to share these lessons with everybody you can. Tell them about the program, search the scriptures, encourage them to listen. But at the same time, we know that not everybody can tune in to the program at the prescribed times that they are broadcast over the airwaves of radio, even though we're on several times a day. So, what you can encourage people to do and take advantage of yourself is go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it's free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We just want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So there's a tremendous amount of Bible teaching material on our website through our podcasts. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whichever one they choose, they will receive Monday through Friday automatically these radio programs, Search the Scriptures. But they'll also get a whole lot more. They'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and they will receive what I really consider to be a jewel and that is a short, only about a 13-minute, but a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, that we call today's Bible class. 13 minutes, we can usually fit that into our busy schedules. So tell everybody you can, churchofchrist.com, and again, it's free and always will be free. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for another period of worship and Bible study. On Wednesday evenings, good time in the middle of, in the middle of the week to set our busy schedules aside, get our spiritual batteries restored. We come back together at 6.30 every Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. We do hope you can come and meet us, let us get to know you, and check us out and worship God with us, study His Word with us, and grow spiritually with us. Many of our radio listeners have done that over the years, and many have stayed on with us. And our prayer is that you will take the same step yourself. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study today. We're going to uh, talk about the devil. Now, a lot of people don't like to think about the devil. They don't like to talk about the devil. They want to try to kind of push him out of the way and back in the recesses of their mind or maybe out of their mind altogether. But just as God is real, just as Jesus, our Savior, is real, so also is the devil real, absolutely real. He is the opposite of God, if you want to think of it from that way, because God is absolutely pure goodness, and the devil is exactly the opposite, pure evil. There's nothing cuddly, there's nothing cute, there's nothing warm and fuzzy about the devil. 
He is, as we have emphasized over and over and over through these programs, our worst, most deadly, and most determined enemy. We keep referring to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, where he is described thusly. Peter wrote, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, he's not cute again. He's not our friend. He doesn't want to be our friend. He's our gravest enemy. The word adversary means literally one who stands against. We could boil it down very succinctly. We could say, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, would you want to be out walking down the sidewalk or down a pathway through maybe a forest if you knew there was a lion, a wild lion, walking about through that area, hungry lion? You would not want to be there, would you? You'd take the precaution of staying inside where the lion could not get to you, and you'd probably be calling the police or some other authority to come and take care of that lion because you would know he's dangerous. He kills for food, and sometimes he may kill depending upon the individual lion. He may just kill because, well, you're there. And you know, he knows you're in his territory, and so he's going to protect his territory by doing away with anything that might be a perceived threat in his mind as his way of thinking as a wild beast. And so he would kill you. A roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. You're going to stay clear of that particular beast. Now, the devil is portrayed in those very vivid images. Peter goes on in the next verse, and he says in verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him. How can we resist that, that lion? How can we resist the lion? We stay indoors, stay away from him. That's basic and fundamental. How do we resist the devil? We want to stay away from him too. We don't want to let him have any influence within our lives. We don't want to toe the line about or between righteousness and sin, between godliness and evil. We don't want to toe that line. We want to stay as far away from it as we can. We want to keep the devil out of our lives as much as we are able. And the only way we can do that effectively and consistently is to walk with God. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 We've looked at this particular text of Scripture many times. James wrote this, beginning with verse 7, Therefore, submit to God. And then he goes on and says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how do I resist the devil? I submit to God. In the next verse, he goes on, and he states it in further detail. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How can I resist the devil effectively on a consistent basis? By walking with God and submitting my will to his will, trying to the best of my ability and asking for God's guidance and wisdom and strength and help 
when I'm feeling a little weak or when I'm coming, coming up a little short to help me to walk with him according to his will. There's no room in the life of an individual for both God and the devil at the same time. So if I'm walking with God in faithfulness consistently, the devil has no place in my life. But when I start letting the devil in, then I'm edging God out. We need to understand there's no middle ground. It's either or. I'm walking with God or I'm walking away from God, and that means I'm walking with the devil. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18, the apostle Paul wrote this. Verses 18 and 19. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God, lowercase g, is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now we're talking about their God, lowercase g, that's the devil. He is variously described in the New Testament scriptures as the God of this age, again, lowercase g, not equivalent, not anywhere on a standard with God, capital G, the God, our creator, our heavenly father. He is also described, that is the devil, is described as the, pin, as the prince of the world. He is an authority here. When we look at Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, and probably you have not read this particular text lately. Maybe you never have. But if you look at the first several verses of Revelation chapter 12, it describes a rebellion in heaven, a rebellion against God. And the leader of that rebe rebellion is identified as the devil. In verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, the devil led a rebellion against God, tried to usurp God's throne. And I think we understand this as being pre-human history. And we're talking about in the spiritual realm, not the physical, but of course, God being all-powerful and the devil not being all-powerful, he lost. And those followers of his lost. And so they were cast out. They were cast down to the earth. And this is where the devil does his work. This is where he has his influence. I've often said this world is the devil's playground. He's after you and I. He's after our souls, our soul's destruction, actually. He wants us to be, to, to, uh, be condemned in hell forever and ever. And just as the devil is real, hell is real also. Now notice how he's described in four different ways in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 12. A dragon. We think of a dragon as being a monster, don't we? We might even... Imagine the dragon being fire-breathing monster. And then also the serpent of old. Another description of him in verse 9. And I think that is to 
motivate in our minds the memory of how he how he presented himself before Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three in the beginning, a serpent, cunning, and deceived her into sin, and then she led her her husband to commit the same sin, and everything changed that day because they became sinners, and the reality of sin became a reality in their conscience and in their lives. And so they passed it on to all men, all humankind. But then also he's openly identified as the devil and Satan. So four different terms of description in that one verse of scripture. And none of it is positive. None of it is good. None of it is encouraging. That's the devil. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 again, notice that the Apostle Paul brought out there that many are following him. Many are following his lead. What does that say again? Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Many are following the lead of the devil. Are you? Are you following the lead of the devil? Many people deceive themselves into thinking or at least saying, no, they're following God. They're following Jesus. They love the Lord but they're walking with the devil all the time because they're living in sinfulness. They're living in lifestyles that are absolutely opposite of faithfulness to God. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Again, there's no middle road. People who are living in sinfulness are not living in the righteousness of God or godliness. They're walking with the devil. They're not walking with God. Now, they can use all kinds of language that sounds spiritual, but their life is a different reality. People are living in sinful lifestyles, even sexual immorality. They're commonly taking part in or performing acts or speaking words of, of sin and sinfulness maybe gossiping, maybe lying, maybe stirring up strife, all kinds of things. Maybe taking part in activities that, that deep down they know are wrong, but they're doing them anyway. You know, stealing a little bit here, cheating a little bit there, taking part in, in ungodly practices like drunkenness and drug abuse, and the list goes on and on associating with people who are absolutely ungodly, but they're still associating with them on a regular basis. You see, again, what did James say in James 4 and verse 7? Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But that process includes what James went on and said, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If the devil can delude you or someone you know into thinking that you can 
still dabble in sin. You can still live in some sinful practice and somehow still be walking in faithfulness to God. He's got you. That's not correct. The devil's the liar. He's the father of lies, Jesus said. And he'll deceive you any way he can. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Jesus also said that most people are walking with the devil. Now, some people might not really think about it that way, but it does not change the fact of the matter. He said in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7, enter by the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. A lot of people are rather arrogant when it comes down to their open analysis of their lifestyle, and they'll openly say, "Ah, you know, I'm a heathen. No, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I know I'm wrong living with this woman or living with this man outside the bonds of marriage, maybe even raising children who are being born to a man and a woman who are not married, teaching those children, therefore, to grow up and think that ungodliness is godly somehow, that sexual immorality is okay. I know, I know, but, but I... I want this. I want, to stay, I want to stay in this lifestyle. Now, they're arrogant. But you know what's going to happen at judgment? They're not going to be arrogant anymore. They're going to be sorrowful. I would not be surprised if they would openly shed a shower of tears because they will suddenly come face to face with their arrogance and the result of it their lost condition for all of eternity. That's not something to be arrogant over. The devil is out there trying to win us away. The Apostle Paul wrote of his effectiveness from one perspective, certainly, and it's a main perspective, in Romans, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Well, let's go back actually to Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. And here Paul wrote, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, and that would be all of humanity from the Jewish mindset that Paul was writing from, that they are all under sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. And then in verse 23, he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, he addressed this reality again with these words. Galatians 3 and verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin all under sin. Now, the good news is that God has done something to give us 
human beings created in his image with a soul the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to repent and change our lives. So the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. God sent his son into this world to pay the price through his physical life on the cross for the guilt of our sins, serving as God's ultimate one-time-for-all-time sacrifice for our sins. The familiar verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now going back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in chapter 6 and verse 23, it presents both possibilities that face us in life from a spiritual perspective. It says the wages of sin is death. Now ultimately that's eternal death, eternal condemnation in hell. And we're not talking about annihilation, we're talking about eternal condemnation, always going through the process of the suffering for our condemnation and that never coming to an end. The rest of the verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He leaves us with the decision to make up our minds, to choose what will be our lifestyle and our eternal destiny. Here's the point of this particular study. Don't let the devil win. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to live in such a way that we will be determined to walk with you in faithfulness and obedience always and not let the devil win our souls. Please, Father, help us and strengthen us. Please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.